Welcome to another episode of the Chiefs Wire podcast. I'm Ed Easton Jr. On today's episode, in the Red Friday Roundtable, the Cali Chief and Talon Graf set us up for this Thursday's game against the Denver Broncos. Broncos Wire managing editor John Heath calls in and tells us everything we need to know about the Broncos after their two-game winning streak. Chiefs Wire contributor John Dillon shares his favorite moments from the Broncos-Chiefs rivalry. But first, we start things off, as always, with Charles Goldman, the managing editor of the Chiefs Wire. Back with us, Chiefs Wire managing editor Charles Goldman. Charles, I have to ask, what do you believe the Chiefs players are thinking after suffering back-to-back losses at home? So I, I think that the mindset, I mean, you really kind of saw it come through on the, on the post-game quotes uh, from, from the Chiefs defenders. They want to get back to playing kind of their brand of football. Right now, they're feeling a little bit defeated because they're getting run on for you know two hundred plus yards every every week. They're making some of these guys who you know aren't really household names at the running back position look like future Hall of Fame players. So they they really want to get back to playing a physical brand of football to to stopping the run and to really ensuring that they can get off the field and give perhaps the the Chiefs offense some extra opportunities to possess the football. Right now they don't they don't feel like they're doing that. Um they they feel like they're really these little tiny things, these little details, these little plays that are happening that are really messing up the momentum on both sides of the football. And, you know, fixing those little things, that, that's also going to be really important moving forward. You, you have, you know, a drop or a miscue where, you know, you have a receiver somewhere else where they're not supposed to be. Um, or, you know, you have uh, Mahomes making, he's even made a few reads that he probably could have thrown the football somewhere else and taken a first down. So he's still even learning, um, you know, kind of how to work through this offense in its current iteration. Um, so really, I, I think the, the whole mindset is going to be getting back to doing what they've done and been successful doing it in, in those first four games. And uh, I, I think they're fully capable, capable of finding that again. This week's going to be a huge test for them, a huge test for them. L- looking ahead uh, for, for, to Thursday's matchup with the Broncos. I mean, there's not a worse situation the Chiefs could possibly be put in. They're they're going on the road to play an AFC West rival on a short week of practice after coming off of two straight losses. For the Broncos, this game's huge because if they win this game, they are right back in the thick of the AFC West picture. They go from being two and four to three and four. Chiefs drop to four and three. Uh, the, the Raiders are, are going to be right there in it. So <clears throat> you, you have a, a, a different looking AFC West if the Broncos win this game. And, and you know, the narrative surrounding their season kind of changes completely. Uh, if they lose this game, it, it's, it's really going to be a, a bit of a dagger into their season. And they're going to have to try to, you know, fix some things down the line. But this Broncos team is uniquely positioned to cause the Chiefs problems. Right now, you ask anyone that the two biggest things that are are, are struggling for the Kansas City Chiefs right now, you're going to say the pass protection and the run defense. Well, 
The Broncos have two running backs, uh, one that can can get you with a bruising, punishing running style. Another one, uh, Philip Lindsay, who can who can is more elusive, uh, more of a speedy type of type of running back. He's the guy who can kind of hit you with those home run plays and, and really cause some damage. So, I, I mean that that's going to hurt. They got to find a way to stop the run against this team that that wants to run the football and uses it to set up success in the passing game. Then you have a defensive line that, by most accounts, the Broncos um, fans and, and players would say this defensive line is underperforming based on what their expectations were. They're not at full strength. Uh, Bradley Chubb's out for the season with an injury. But they still have Vaughn Miller, who's a potential Hall of Fame player, um, who can really cause some serious havoc uh, and get after the quarterback. They have some other like ticky tacky injuries on the defensive line that could come into play here, but f- for the most part, this is an, a defensive line that could give the Chiefs some problems and could get after Patrick Mahomes. So the pass protection's got to be solid. They've got to find a way to give Mahomes more time to get the football out, more time to to have these plays develop down the field because you know part part of the Chiefs' success has been the deep passing game and to to be able to strike really quickly in these chunk yardage plays. So they have to get that protection going to be able to, to let that develop. And, you know, I, I think it's just, it's going to be a tough one. Uh, it, it's a tall ask for, for uh, the Chiefs to come in here and come away with a victory. I think they're, they're capable of doing that, but right now I'm not, I'm not going to pick them to do that. I, I need them to, to prove to me that they can do that. Um, and you know, I, I, I think that, that they know what these problems are and and what they can do to fix it. They just have to put that together on the field and it's a little easier said than done. Um, but again, I think they're fully capable of kind of turning things around. Um, and I think that, that this game could be the opportunity to do that. We'll just have to see, you know, if, if they're capable of pulling it off. Okay, Charles, before you go, any particular stories from Chiefs Wire you would like to highlight from the past week? Yeah, so we got a couple of uh, new things on Chiefs Wire uh, this week. Um, you know, it's a short week, so we're, we're kind of condensed in here and have a lot of different stuff coming at you recently. Um, one thing that, that a lot of people don't know about is that the Chiefs have two defenders on the NFI list that are actually able to, to come back and practice. We have an article about that uh, that was published on Monday. Um, just uh, on Tuesday, we released um, a- an article that kind of goes over, I guess, how how I would um, work on putting putting the aggression, putting the physicality back into the Chiefs' defense, and maybe you know doing some things that that could potentially fix some of the problems that that they're running into. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, some things in run defense, um, just some things when it comes to the general mindset and what what really the players are are focusing on when they're on the field. Um, These are all things that, I mean, obviously (laughs) the the Chiefs coaching staff, I'm sure these are going through their minds as well. Um, You know, it's nothing, no no rocket science. I'm not trying to to out-coach the the Chiefs coaches or anything here, but these are just things that that I thought about specifically after I, I heard a quote from Frank Clark, where 
you know, <clears throat> he was explaining that it, it felt like the Chiefs needed to get their aggression and passion back, specifically when it came to stopping the run because of all these long yardage, uh, you know, uh, runs that they're giving up, these five to seven yard chunks, and, and they're leading to long extended drives, which keeps the guys out on the field, keeps them worn down throughout the game. So really finding that that passion is going to help this defense finding that aggressiveness is going to help this defense so really i just try to figure out how they can how they can find it and put it right back in um we're gonna have uh some some cool stuff coming at you um over the next two days as well we should have a behind the enemy lines article with uh, john heath of broncos wire um so yeah anyhow uh, that that should be coming soon. We're going to have a, a couple more different uh, preview posts. Some of our weekly posts are going to be coming a little early ahead of the Thursday night football matchup. Um, so keep an eye out for that. Um, I also, I was recently on um, uh, radio, did a, a radio spot with the uh, gentleman Steve Bortstein on um, Fox 1340 AM. Uh, you can find the podcast link to that interview um, on on my Twitter timeline at GoldMCTNFL. Take a listen to that. I, I had a really great conversation with him, um, and I think that I think that it's it's certainly worth your time to to hear what we were talking about. Um, he he deals with a lot of Broncos fans out in the Southwest there, so um, it, it was interesting kind of hear uh, you know his perspective and. Um, you know, the questions that, that he asked, what he was interested in hearing about for the Kansas City Chiefs. Anyhow, that's all I got for you guys today. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. For more information on this story and others, head over to ChiefsWire.com and we'll give you all the details you need on the Kansas City Chiefs. Coming up next, the Chiefs Wire Podcast Roundtable. the short week chiefs kingdom i see you i see half of you the chicken littles of the kingdom scurrying around the sky is falling the sky is falling it's not falling i'm here to tell you why i'm here to tell you that we should have a lot of optimism and there's a lot of positivity going on a lot of good things and i'm also here to talk about something that i'm concerned about and we're going to talk about last week's game a little bit some observations from that. We're going to analyze this week's game, the short week Thursday night game against the hated Denver Broncos in their new stadium. Mile high pizza pie, poke in the eye. I don't know what it's called now. Name keeps changing. And here to talk to me about that is my good friend, the coach, Talon Graff. How are you doing today, Talon? Hey, I'm doing well, my friend. Excited to talk to you. Um, it, it's, a, it's a little different feel this week, a little earlier than normal, but I'm, I'm kind of digging it. Right, it sure is. Um, the early turnaround is interesting because some guys that didn't play last week that almost did got a little extra rest and should be ready, like Sammy Watkins, hopefully. Uh, we saw Tyreek on a short leash during the game with only 29 snaps, but he did a lot with that, and he's only going to get more time as we go along, so that's good to know. 
I wanted to let the Chiefs fans know, first things first, it took the Chiefs missing Eric Fisher, Andrew Wiley, Sammy Watkins, Chris Jones, Anthony Hitchens, Xavier Williams, and two ridiculous huge calls by the refs. A fumble recovery touchdown for the Chiefs reversed for forward progress, a.k.a. the triplet effect in Arrowhead, and refs picking up a flag on Houston for P.I. and giving the Texans the ball back on an interception that should have been a free play. That's uh, between a 10 and 24 point swing off the board. And I don't know what, what that, <laughs> how they call that uh, pass interference and then totally erase it. There was no challenge. They flagged it. It happened. Patrick Mahomes saw it happening, realized he had a free play. Because, hey, he's a heady quarterback. He's got good eyes. We saw him looking back at the ref a week or so ago, giving a little wink. I'm going to run now. No flag, right? Okay, later. Well, when he looks down the field, he sees stuff too. And he saw Travis Kelsey getting grabbed up by Lonnie Johnson Jr. and shoved into the ground and rubbed out of the play. Ball wasn't going to Travis, but you can't do that. How many times have we seen defensive holding on the other side of the field totally away from the play or a hold on the offensive line you know, on the other side of the field and the runner's already seven yards down the field on the opposite hash mark? doesn't matter you can't do what you can't do and he did it the flag was press interference Patrick threw it up guys got caught up in the wash a little bit nobody got there defense caught the ball I won't call it an interception because there's an asterisk on that forever in my eyes a huge asterisk Um, they announced it to the stands to the stadium to everyone on TV land pass interference by the defense first town chiefs okay then the ball's set and the Chiefs are lining up to get ready and the refs are huddling up and no one threw a challenge flag. No one gave any indication that anything was being challenged or questioned. And the refs come out of their little meeting and decide, you know what? We're going to pick that flag up. We're going to say it wasn't pass interference because it wasn't thrown to Travis Kelsey and he was too far away from the play for it to matter, which is something I've never heard uttered over a microphone or in person in a football stadium in my life. That's a new verbiage to me. And had they decided it was an interception, which they did, then by rule, they have to review the play. And there's no way you can review the entirety of the play and not notice defensive holding, which at the very least, five-yard penalty, automatic first down for the offense, no interception. That was huge. That was a huge play. The fumble recovery being wiped out was a huge play. He was being tackled. He's on the way to the ground. It wasn't a stopped, held-up player that they didn't want to get see slammed. The tackle was in progress, and they're supposed to let those play out, and they didn't. And we know what that meant for us. The good side of things, like I said, we're missing all those guys. All those things happened, and we lost by one score. <laughs> That's What does that tell you? And our quarterback was dinged up. And that's another thing I want to get to. That's my concern. Before I touch on that, those penalties, what are your thoughts, Talon? I know a lot of people don't want to point at the refs, and I try as I might. It's it's They just give me reason to. Yeah, no, 100%. And I've I've watched football for a very long time. I've grown up around football. I've coached football and, and played football. <clears throat> and, not, and, and I'm with you. I've never once heard that you cannot call defensive pass interference unless the targeted receiver is the one 
being interfered with. I've never heard that in my life, and I think that's a load of crap. I don't think that's the rule. That is incorrect. Um, so the fact that it was definitely noticeable, it was definitely egregious, and that it cost us not only the ball, but it cost us probably what would have ended up being a scoring possession. Yeah. And it's, it, it is frustrating. It is very frustrating seeing things like that happen when Chiefs do everything right, and they're still negative consequences that come with that and it's 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 not good and yes we did do some things that shot ourselves in the foot uh the play call at the end of the first half drove me nuts there's no reason to try to take a shot at that point take a knee run the ball go into halftime but we don't we we try to you know we, we do a little bit too much and we fumble it and then you know houston takes a score and goes into the halftime with the lead so but yeah having said that that those penalties as frustrating as they are, um, they're just simply wrong, and it's, it's it's tough to watch. Yeah, I did see another egregious one. It's not like I'm not uh, noticing when penalties happen to other teams as well, and it's not as if I don't occasionally see one happen to us and we don't get called for it, but when I'm sitting watching with my friends, my mentality is, well, that was a hold, but I'll take it. I'll take the freebie. Um, I don't try to pretend it didn't happen. The Dallas Cowboys game, I mean <laughs> – Dak had Witten right over the middle, and that safety grabbed him all up, pulled him backwards, and then as the ball went past them, did some kind of like body shock vibration and threw himself to the ground and bounced up as if he was the one that was offended. It was ridiculous, and I don't understand how in the land of instant replay they don't look at that and go, oh, no, dude, that's that's first and goal on the one. You grabbed him all over the place. It, all Witten did was like look shocked, like, what are you doing? It was ridiculous. And another point with those two penalties on the Chiefs, the thing I'm hearing the last few days everybody hyping about is, oh, the time of possession, the way to keep it away from the Chiefs is time of possession. Well, guess what? When you take a ball that was a free play and call it an interception and give it to the other team, you're giving them more time of possession. When a defense for the Kansas City Chiefs takes the ball away from the offense and scores, even though it's only a few seconds, that was more seconds on the clock for their time of possession. And guess what? When you get up by three scores... Teams tend to change their modus operandi a little bit. They might not have been so dedicated to the short dink and dunk passes all day and the short runs because guess what? You're going to do that, and the Chiefs are going to come back out, and they're probably going to score again, and you're still down three scores. So it, it heightens the need for bigger plays once you're down multiple scores, which brings me to another point, which I'm only going to touch on because I want to get into this a little later with our good friend Ryan Tracy, who's going to be on with me after this. Uh, run the ball, man. I have no problem with a rookie intercepting the ball in the end zone. It's a big play. It's a big moment. He's not a you know six-year vet. He saw the ball. There's two guys around him. You know what? Maybe if he doesn't go to catch it, maybe if he goes to knock it down, it bounces off someone's head and they catch it in the end zone. So people are all looking at, oh, well, you could have it back here. Maybe, or maybe something awful could have happened, like that ball bouncing off of, uh, Shepard's mask last night for the Packers and right into a defender's hand as he's going in the end zone. So maybe that happens. We don't know. He caught the ball. He secured the ball. We got possession of the football. My only gripe with trying anything is, you know what? On first down, everybody's hyped up. Everybody's anxious. We've been passing all day. Run the ball. We have quality running backs. We've seen Daryl Williams go for a 42-yard run against the vaunted Ravens defense because they were expecting a pass. We've seen Shady over the years many times slip, slide, and cut through defense. Damian Williams yesterday, all he did was 
catch a swing, which looked like 90% of the backs would have ran out of bounds. He cuts back in, jukes out three guys, and jogs into the end zone like the Colts playoff game last year. That's the guy we've been missing. He gets two carries, two touches rather, not even a carry, two touches all game. Shady gets eight carries for, he's averaging five yards a carry, five and change. Run the ball. Run the ball. Run the ball. Because when you run the ball, you slow down the pass rush. When you slow down the pass rush, you protect your quarterback. I don't want to get too crazy about it because, like I said, I'm going to get into that a little more later. There's my chair trying to break underneath me. (laughs) (laughs) I want to get into that a little bit more later. But, uh, yeah, I just feel like there there was definitely some bad calls by the Chiefs. And, hey, you know what? Hey, defense, while you're out there, hey, tackle somebody. How about, you know, third and long? Tackle them. Make them punt. Fourth and short, you got them in position. Put them on the ground. That's a turnover. So there was a lot of blame to go around for little mistakes that turned into big mistakes, that turned into big plays for the other team. Deshaun Watson was awesome, played great. I'm not going to hold hands with the storyline that he outplayed and outdueled Mahomes because he did not. He didn't. He just didn't. He had seven more yards. He had two fewer touchdowns. He had one more interception. Two more if you don't count the one that Patrick Mahomes didn't really throw. So... That's not outdueling the guy. We got Detroit Lions. We got what we did to them in their building, which was their quarterback threw three touchdowns and a pick. We stayed dedicated to the run. We won the football game in their house. This team didn't get those touchdowns. We threw the touchdowns. We threw a pick. They dedicated to the run. They came in our house and won. Last night, the Green Bay Packers at home this time Stuck with the run. They were down all night. They stuck with the run. Last night I tweeted, two-minute warning, pack down by two, just coming off a bad, gimmicky, geeky play that could have cost them the game. I bet they're going to stick with the run and win this football game. That's what I think is going to happen. Guess what happened? Not only did that happen, but on a run play, which could have went for a touchdown, heady thinking the running back slides down on his butt inside the five-yard line and says, we're giving you no clock. We are going to give you no clock. I mean, if it was us, I would have liked to see us try at least one play at the end zone with about 10 seconds left or 15 seconds left in the timeout. Just Don't just rely on the kicker just in case because, you know, when you do that and they miss, it really stings. It didn't. They got it. They got the kick. They made the field goal, won the football game. But that's you're down, stick to the run. We're going into Denver where running the football doesn't get easier. But before we get on to that, I want to touch on why it doesn't get easier, and that's because of defenders, really good defenders, linebackers, D-linemen, front seven guys, and that's where I have my problem. I have noticed a little uh, um, situation here, Talon. Uh, do you want to take a stab at what that might be? Is there anything you see them, any way you see them playing Patrick right now that's that's problematic? Kind of putting you on the spot. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on what you're referring to, to be honest with you. Well, when I played semi-pro ball, there was a very Bush League tackle style where, because there's a lot of undersized guys and some big quarterbacks, right? Mm-hmm. They're still trying to make it to the next level or what have you. And some of these guys who are tweeners that are more built like a safety but playing linebacker or built like a small linebacker playing defensive end, they get back there and they have a hard time dragging the quarterback down. So what they would do is they would hit him up high and then grab on, bring their legs off the ground, and pendulum swing their legs into the quarterback's lower body or back or whatever part of their body they could hit 
in an attempt to injure them, frankly. It wasn't just to take them down. They would say it was, well, I'm trying to roll him to the ground, but they were trying to take his legs out, trying to hit him in the back. Um, I've seen it a bunch of times this year. I've seen it called once. I believe it was Udon for the Ravens, grabbed Patrick by the back, pulled him down. As he was pulling down, he swung his knee into his back, and they called roughing the passer. It took him a second to get the flag out, but they did it. Uh, Winston Merciless came in the game. If you watch the play, unabated quarterback pretty much, gets in there, grabs him up, brings his feet off the ground, swings him into his lower legs. And you can't tell me that the defense doesn't know his ankle's a little bit nicked up, and that's not an attempt to give him a little bit of a, a little more of an injury. And it bothers me that in a league that's so about protecting quarterbacks, I saw Aaron Rodgers get head-to-head hit from Snacks Harrison yesterday. Nobody even thought about a flag. Commentators didn't mention it. You know, back when Trent Green was the Rams quarterback a long time ago, that rule got put in place, no hitting low, only after it happened to Tom Brady. And on that play, I went back and watched that last night. On that play, Bernard Pollard's coming in. Sammy Morris tackles him by his face. Doesn't even try to block him. Tackles him by his face, pulls back on his head, and then is trying to push his back into the ground as Pollard reaches out to hit Brady. Totally shoved into him. So even under the new rule, it probably wouldn't have been called as a flag because he's being shoved and manipulated into the quarterback by the player. But that's why the rule came about, was to protect Tom Brady. And we all saw last year in the AFC Championship, when it even looked like Chris Jones might hit him, we got flagged. Unreviewable. Third and 15, first down. Keep their drive going. It just bothers me a little bit that we have these young, great quarterbacks. And some not so young, Aaron Rodgers. But Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, guys like this, I don't want to see these guys get taken out because especially if I'm at the game live, I don't want to be paying hundreds of dollars of my family's hard-earned money to watch backups. No offense to the, to the backups in the league, but you're not the thing that's getting me to the game, guys. Yeah, no, it's hard enough for franchises to find that franchise quarterback and there's elite quarterbacks like Rodgers and Mahomes. And these guys, you know, the <clears throat> the league is so is so adamant on the protection of quarterbacks and the protection of players and player safety. And, and when you got guys like Mahomes and Rodgers and, and these guys bring in money for the league and these guys bring in ratings for the league because they're just fun to watch. If they're not on the field, it's bad for the league. So I, yeah. And I don't know why defenses would, I get it. I get the mentality kind of, but I don't know why you would ever seek out hurting somebody. That's not the game of football. That's not how you're supposed to play it. You know, that's, that's not true competition. It's, it's, you know, dirty, you know, let's just call it what it is it? It's dirty play. So, you know, if that stuff is going on and they're, you know, it kind of brings me back to Greg Williams and that mentality and stuff like that. And it just, it's not good for the game of football and that's not how football is supposed to be played. Yeah. I don't understand why that guy's still in the league. It just, that bothers me. It irks me. I'm irked. I'm vexed <laughs> by that. <laughs> it's one of those things I don't like. Uh, well, let's move on to the Denver Broncos and uh, the challenge that they present this week. We're going up finally against a quarterback who's not Lamar Jackson or Jacoby Brissett or even Matthew Stafford, who's decently mobile, and especially not Deshaun Watson. We're getting a guy that's primarily a pocket passer. How do you think that's going to benefit our pass rush and our front seven? I mean, I think it's going to be great for us. We we struggle tackling in, in space, and any quarterback that 
adds that element of a rushing attack to his game, we, we struggle with that. I mean, we saw it against Lamar Jackson, um, especially him. And then, yeah, you know, you mentioned the other guys. But, yeah, I think Joe Flacco just being in the pocket, we know where he's going to be. He's, you know, he might get flushed out. He might, you know, avoid a sack here and there. But he's not going to outrun anybody. Um, so, yeah, I think that's going to be great. I think we might be able to pin our ears back just a little bit. Uh, when we get after him, but we have to be careful of that, of that rushing game. We can't, you know, let a draw squeak in there or let Lindsey kind of sneak out on a flare and get him in open space. We have to stay at home. We have to stay disciplined. Um, but yeah, I think for our pass rush, it's going to be huge knowing that Flacco is kind of a one-dimensional quarterback. Yeah. Do you have any word on um, Wisniewski if he's going to be ready this week? Uh, I haven't seen anything new. I would be surprised if he's not in there just with the the way our offensive line looked we need to find something we need to um find a spark to get that offensive line going and and the fact that you know the defense of the broncos even though they don't have uh, bradley chubb anymore um it's still a very good front seven they still have von miller who mitchell schwartz has had his number every time they've faced um so that makes me feel a little bit better but yeah i mean it's it's not like this defensive front for the broncos are pushovers they're they're tough guys and they're going to get after Mahomes. And um, they want, you know, they're on a little two game winning streak here. And it's largely in part because of the defense. So they're going to want to keep that streak going and they're going to come in with pride and, and try to shut down one of the best offenses in the league that's kind of struggling right now. So they're, they're going to probably tee off a little bit. Agreed. Um, I have a concern as well with uh, Mr. D. Rob, Demarcus Robinson. Fun story early in the season. Seems to have regressed back to his old self, uh, dropping passes, kind of not looking like he's totally in position. Definitely not uh, an adequate replacement for Sammy Watkins. How are you feeling about uh, his gameplay and and his dropping back like that? Yeah, disappointed. Um, I was high on Demarcus Robinson for uh, most of his early career, and I really thought, you know, in that game earlier this year that maybe he had finally figured it out and was going to keep that consistency going, but he, he hadn't. Uh, you put it perfectly, he's kind of regressed, and uh, he had a golden opportunity to really uh, cement his status as a key receiver in this offense when Hill went down and Watkins is is dealing with his injuries. And he he didn't take that golden opportunity. He he missed it. And he kind of you know, <laughs> pun intended, but he kind of dropped the ball. Hey, do you know a rookie on our team that uh, plays his position that's a lot faster than him? Yeah, I think I've heard of a guy, uh, McCole Hardman. I think he uh, he might be able to step in there and, and play his role even better. Yeah, do you know who didn't drop any passes last week? <laughs> McCole Hardman. I think that that <laughs> that that same rookie. Yes. <laughs> I'm like I'm looking at things right now, and just consistency wise. I would be a little happier, I think, as long as Sammy's out. I would like to see Tyreek. Obviously, hopefully he'll be soon able to take on his full complement of reps and, and, and plays and be in the, on the field for the 80 to 90% that he usually is. Um, but I'd like to see Tyreek, uh, McCall, and, and Pringle, honestly, as the first three. And they rotate in that with, with D-Rob. I don't want to put too much pressure on the guy. I think he, he's good for a couple of big plays a game when the defense forgets about him. I just feel like on a consistent down-in, down-out basis, he's not able to get separation. He's not a clever route adjuster. He sometimes seems to run the wrong routes, even though he's been there as long as anybody. And just um, he's not fast. He's okay. He's all right. If he gets behind you, you're not going to catch him from 10 yards away if he's already running the other direction full speed. But he's not. We have so much faster guys on the team. 
and f- speed isn't everything. It's not always a straight line game. There's a lot of zigging and zagging and cutting back and forth, but simply the route tree that we have and the diversity of plays and positions, I just feel like having those three guys in there, they're just more consistent. I don't see them putting the ball on the ground frequently. Um, they definitely can, you know, break the top off a little better. Even Pringle, who's not as fast as Hardman or Tyreek, has a little more of a, a little more juice in his step. I don't know if that's just because he's a little younger or if just he's always been faster. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see his role reduced. Uh, there were a number last week. Some people were on, oh, Blake Bell, maybe he didn't run the right route or this guy. There were a number of balls, that last one in particular, that was supposed to be to Blake Bell, where Patrick got his arm hit like at least three or four times. People were talking about him not having the juice in the arm. If somebody hit my arm the way his arm was getting hit when I was trying to throw the ball, it'd go about five yards. And that dude was still putting it 25 yards down the field, just not 30. Or 16 yards down the field, just not 20. You know, so it took a little bit of a little bit of a zip off when he's it's, it's hard when you're getting hit in the arm to throw a football. I'd like to see them get the tight ends involved a little more. Sherm wasn't out there. The sausage wasn't out there on run plays. Mm-hmm. That's just a dead giveaway. We're we're coming. We're pinning our ears back and coming. Because if you haven't got the sausage in the game, we're going to go 75% chance you're passing the ball. And it just felt really predictable, unfortunately, last week. This week, I think if we do that against Denver, it's signing our own death warrant. Um, You've got to do something to slow that pass rush down. As you said, even if they just have Von Miller, it's Von Miller. He's ridiculous. He is to his position what some might say Watson or Mahomes are to their position. Maybe not as crazy elite as he was, but he's still crazy elite compared to most guys in the league. You don't want to be giving him a free shot. Their secondary is no slouch. Their secondary is not, you know, the no-fly defense like it once was, but it's still pretty good. No-fly zone, is that what they called them? I don't remember. They always come up with these weird new these weird new nicknames. What are we now, Legion of Zoom? I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> like... <laughs> a couple of our planes are biplanes right now. Yeah, so I think that's the, I think that's what the... fix those engines up a little bit. <laughs> um, do you think that there's going to be another breakout guy this week? We've had a few guys step up at opportune moments and and make some plays. This week was Tyree Kill. It was it went for not obviously because we didn't win the game. But um, aside from a few things that we already talked about, it could have easily gone the other way. Again, we lost by one score. What do you think needs to happen? Who do you think needs to step up this week to get us over that hump and get us back in the win column? I mean, I think Tyreek playing a full game is going to be huge. Uh, you see the impact he had in, in, you know, on, a, on a snap count. So if he can be in there for the whole game, I think that's, that's the difference maker right there. Tyreek Hill, he's just so dynamic and so explosive, and he is honestly probably one of the best receivers in the league. Not just, he's not just a fast guy. He's not just a return specialist. He's, you know, that, that play he made on that touchdown catch on, on, the, on the free play was one of the best plays I've ever seen. And the fact that his stature and stuff like that, just his raw athleticism and, and the fact that he can go up and make plays like that is, is remarkable. So I think Tyreek Hill hopefully being able to be a full go and being a weapon on every single play from Mahomes, that that's what it is for me, a full game from, from Hill. What about on defense? We're missing Anthony Hitchens this past week, and people seem to be surprised that we missed him so much. I'm like, well, middle linebacker's a quarterback on defense, so how much would that affect you on offense if that happened? Right. And I saw Darren Lee's especially, and to a certain degree, Damian Wilson's um, instincts fall off the table in that game, just just missing tackles they normally would make, being out of position, sometimes being in position and just 
not being aggressive enough or committing enough because maybe they don't have that lead dog, you know, firing them up and showing them how it's done. Because if nothing else, Hitch comes in there like he's trying to unload a pile of bricks on people. Um, do you think there's a chance the Chiefs maybe uh, look at a Zach Brown or a Shane Ray and try to get some more fired up individuals in here to either pass rush or play the linebacker spot and start laying some slobber knocks on people? Yeah, either one. I, I would probably put Zach Brown as top priority. And then, yeah, someone like Shane Ray, who's a Mizzou kid, uh, played his college ball in Columbia. I think that would be a you know a nice addition. Try to get a little spark to the pass rush. I think that'd be great. Either one would be a great addition. Um, but I would I would rather see a, a linebacker be brought in to try to you know as you said uh, be a little bit of a thumper there in the in the middle of the box. Yeah, we've kind of really closest thing we've had to that was Reggie for like a six game stretch when he first came over from the Bills, and he hasn't been the same since, or hasn't been utilized the same way since. And we haven't really had a guy like that for a minute. And, you know, it makes a difference in the run game. If nothing else, plug up the middle, try to run the outside and see if you can outrun our fast linebackers that way. But we're not going to let you just gash us up the hole, up the middle hole. It's, that's just seems to be what happens uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, but we can right this ship. I'm not worried. What, me worry? No, <laughs> not likely. Not with that guy quarterback. Keep him upright. Keep the weapons coming back. Fish is going to come back. Chris Jones is going to come back. We were missing a lot this past week, and it was a nail-biter down the stretch. I don't think it would have been. Everybody's ready to crown the Texans the next heir apparent to the Patriots, who, you know, their tomato can schedule doesn't scare me at all. It'll be interesting this week. I'm interested to see how they do against the, the Brownies, who they got apparently some bad calls against them too. I didn't see the game, but I heard one was Landry going into the end zone, and after he had crossed the line, they knocked the ball out of his hands, and they disallowed the touchdown and called it a fumble. <laughs> That's an interesting trick with a wide receiver. I don't know how you do that, but apparently they did that. So I'd have to check it out. But uh, anyway, it's great talking to you as always. Yeah, man, another great conversation. Um, looking forward to a Thursday night football matchup. Unfortunately, I'll be on the sidelines myself. We have a we have thirty Thursday night lights this week, so I'll be I won't be able to see it live. But I'm definitely going to watch the recording of it when I get home. Nice. We'll get those kids motivated. Go get that W. I'm hoping the Chiefs get the W this Thursday and we all get back on track and Chiefs Kingdom can celebrate another win. All right, welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. Uh, this is the continuation of our Chiefs War podcast today. We're here going to talk about the run, as promised, the run game. It's my good friend Ryan Tracy from RGR. We both have similar thoughts, I think, and I just wanted to share some nuggets I've discovered by digging hard. How you doing, Ryan? I'm hanging in, man. I'm trying to, to weather the storm here, and uh, I'm looking forward to what you got. Right? I'm just like, we. <laughs> last segment, I was talking about all the chicken littles that are running around with their uh, screams of the sky is falling. It is most certainly not. When our quarterback looks as good as he does in a loss, that's that's promising. Absolutely. Um, I briefly wanted to touch on the fact that I did notice something that bothered me a little bit. I talked about it with uh, my friend Talon Graf. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but... Uh, there's a there's a tackling technique that's getting utilized against Patrick. I've seen it in the Ravens game, and then I saw it again. Winston Merciless did it, uh-huh. but I haven't seen since Bush League semi pro days, <laughs> exactly. where guys that are undersized trying to take down big quarterbacks, they jump in there and they grab them by the upper body and use the momentum of their rush to swing their legs into the lower body. Bush League, and that's pretty dirty. 
That's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I think that yeah, should be flagged. A, it's a good way to put it, it dirty. It says right in the rule book that's not okay. You can't roll yourself in with momentum, and yet the flags stay in the pockets. That's uh, the only time um, you stay in the pockets lately, right. I guess. Yeah. Um, well, that's that's too true. Um, oh, and I heard you talking to Chris about the the refs not being the difference in the game. I just wanted to share that uh, Mike Florio has a nice little article he shared. Yeah. From his contacts yep. stating that there was a big discussion during the game. Somebody was talking to the refs and nobody knows who, and nobody challenged anything. And after they announced to everybody what was going on and the penalty was applied and chiefs first down, they went off and huddled together and the ref, one ref was closing his ear because he was listening to something being told to him. And then they came out magically saying they're picking up the flag in a way I've never heard explained before in the history of me watching the NFL, which is a long time now. You know me too, and I saw that very same thing. It was kind of trippy that that would even go on, but I got to tell you, it, it goes a long way to show you that yeah, whatever is going on is something mm-hmm. that shouldn't be, and it's really simple that they just seem to be overthinking all this, and I don't care whether it's going back to New York exactly. or it's got to come back to the field. One way or the other, they got to get a handle on this right. and get it done. Exactly. I just wanted to add one little piece of spice. Um uh, you mentioned about Will Fuller dropping a couple touchdowns. I, I believe it was two, not three, because the third one, it was just a little overthrown, and Breland did a nice little tug after he touched the ball. But even then, one of them did end up as a touchdown. So let's say it's two. Kelsey dropped an easy falling down, walk in the end zone touchdown, and, and D-Rob dropped one that he normally catches falling backwards in the end zone. So that was a wash. But they definitely made their mark in the game. I do the thing I love about Patrick is he has that, it doesn't matter. Let's go get him kind of attitude. And I think that that's going to carry forward getting onto the run. Okay. There's, there's a little thing in the universe uh, called a governor. Okay. And a lot of words have synonyms sound the same. They mean something different. Governor can be a United States head of state. Governor can be top of the morning to you. Governor could be your dad or boss in the UK. Governor is also another thing I learned about in the military. It's a mechanical device that you put on engines and it stabilizes and limits the amount of fuel that's provided to the engine. No matter how hard you press the gas pedal, it only goes so fast. The governor. I don't know. I thought that was more about how stinky the emissions are in California. I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, a governor slows down a vehicle. The only governor for a pass rush in the NFL is running the football. If you don't want to run the football, they're going to come at you like it's third and 20 pretty much every down because they don't think you're going to try to run the football. And I started digging and I was like, well, it can't be as simple as that. But like, for instance, the, you know, the pickoff in the end zone near the end of the first half, first down, everybody's hyped. Everybody's jacked. You haven't been running at all. Guess what? Run the football on first down. You have three timeouts. If you really do want to try to do something, you have three timeouts. So call a timeout. And the second play, call a pass with an option to run. And if you line up for the pass and it doesn't look good, option out to the run, and then don't call a timeout. And then let the clock tick off and then go talk about it with the lead. You know, there's a lot of ways to get that done. And playing with the lead is, is something important. I, I'm totally with you. They need to get a handle on how to attack in a way that's better for first down. <laughs> Not in that game, they weren't. <laughs> but it's also got to be better for the long run. They got to get themselves in better situations overall 
um, second and seven instead of second and 10 is always a big plus. And there are going to be people that are going to tell you that uh, running on first down is too predictable. Well, it, it really has to happen either way, because if you can get ahead in those downs, mm-hmm. that's really what makes the difference. I think it's key, and I think I'm very hopeful that that it's going to be better going forward than it has been to this point. But, man, Andy does what Andy does, and if they can just eke it out a little bit, I think that's probably enough to give them a bolster to protect Mahomes better and try to keep that ankle upright. Exactly. Um, And this is the thing. When this is the thing, when you get to second and seven, seven is like regular quarterback dog years for Patrick. He's like that second and one for him. (laughs) It's just, it might as well be second and one. Yeah, right. You can it's, zip just, it. <laughs> it's just too easy for Right. So here's, here's the magic key I've discovered. What's the magic number for Kansas City? I looked through all the numbers and I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I thought this got to be, there's going to be a, a hole here, a big hole here somewhere. Since Alex Smith's best year as a quarterback, his last year with us, to this date, if the Chiefs run the ball 20 times, or more. It doesn't matter if the other team runs the ball 45 times. It doesn't matter what they're trying to do. If they get 80 plays, if we run the ball 20 times, we are nearly undefeated. The games in which we lost where that rule was broken. were both Alex Smith years, but it was two. There was two Alex Smith year ones. One was the Raider game, the infamous seven plays inside the five pass interference, every play until they get the Raiders in the house with a double arm push off by Crabtree and didn't call that. So extenuating circumstances had to happen there. Not to mention um, the linebacker crushing Travis on a crossing route and no flag to kill the drive that we had the ball. Uh, the other game was the Giants game where it took Kelsey throwing an interception. And then for some reason, Bob Sutton calling single high safety versus two split wides against Eli Manning <laughs> on a, on a do or die bomb pass where it's pick your poison. And he just threw to the guy that was, poorly covered and tackled to the ground and gave them an easy score. And we lost both those games by one score. A couple points, actually. A lot of the games where we run the ball 20 times, teams can run the ball 35 times. We, we dominate. And oftentimes we score, we, we win by more than two scores. And it magically ends up being even more passing attempts for Patrick because they slow down. They stop coming with their jet fuel burning and, and eyes alit and thinking that they're going to destroy him. But we do it at the most inopportune times we stop running the football. One of our losses. I know. Uh, it was just, uh, for instance, the last game for Alex against the Titans. Inexplicably. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it, there's a couple times we've ran the ball 19 times and still won the football game. But the only two times were those two times. And then the third time we stopped running the ball was against the Titans in the playoffs. Despite being up 20 to 20, was it 21 to three at halftime? You know, uh, 21 to three lead at halftime. And we ran the ball 16 times all game and they ran the ball 31 times. So the team that was behind by nearly three touchdowns stayed committed to the run and won the football game. And the team that was had a huge lead and could have just milked the clock, Atlanta Falcons versus the Patriots, just blew it. Just blew it. The week before that was Patrick Mahomes' first game ever in Denver, mile high. We ran the ball 27 times. Denver ran it 29. We ran. Sherman was our tailback. (laughs) Right? I mean, it's crazy. That's just, oh, man, I tell you. Albert Wilson was our Tyree kill. 
Demetrius Harris was our Travis Kelsey in that game, and it didn't matter. Nope. And he threw Paxton Lynch threw two touchdowns. Patrick threw none. Didn't matter. No, it, it didn't we, make any impact at all. Right. Like we had Sherman and I'm always happy when Sherman's running the ball. But the fact that they're running, controlling the ball, uh-huh. helping the rookie out, that still goes a long way to helping any quarterback. Got to so do it. Last year, um, there was a game where we ran it 18 times. We still won against the Broncos, 30 to 23. They ran it 30 times. Uh, we did run it 20 times and lose a game last year. That was against the Rams. Oh, uh, that said, six of those were scrambles by Pat. They weren't designed runs. So technically we ran it 14 times. So we didn't hit that 20 mark. And that was, I was at that game as well. And that game was a LA fires shooter sympathy. We're making this happen <laughs> for the Rams game. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, and then we get in the playoffs and we, well, we lost two games that season as well against the Chargers and Seahawks later on. Again, 17 rushes against the Chargers, 19 rushes against Seattle. We lose both games by one and seven points, respectively. Could have won either one of those games. And again, the Charger game, we're up 14-7 at the half, up 21-14 at the end of the third. No reason to abandon the run. We get back on track against the Raiders, run it 27 times, blow their doors off 35-3 in our house. Our house in the playoffs, 31-13. All I hear about all week is Andrew Luck and their run game and their defense and yada, yada, yada. We run the ball 33 times and destroy them. And Damian Williams has his best game ever, like 25 carries, 129 yards, a touchdown, ripping off 5.2 a carry, which is less than guys are ripping off for us right now. I know they're last week, 5.75 between Williams and LaShawn McCoy. That's fine. It's just, I don't understand somebody somebody's got to be like the quality run game control in house and and talk to eric so eric will talk to andy and go don't forget the run well because i gotta tell you i I hope that that's the way that works you know we didn't see for a long time that uh until naggy or doug was actually calling the place that they had that influence but i i think that you got to get that Mm -hmm. in there and get the enemy to try to push him a little bit i mean he's still andy Reid. he's still your your mentor, if you're Eric B enemy for, for lack of a better word, but that influence, the fact that clearly this isn't working and for no other reason, they have to protect Pat's ankle. Uh, and honestly him from taking hits in general, just so that they can be as dynamic as they possibly can. It's up to Eric B enemy right. to put that in his ear. I just think even a nudge. I mean, look at the Patriots game, AFC championship. Do you want to guess how many times he ran the ball in that game? Do you have to tell know me. offhand? I don't, I, I couldn't tell a you. Dozen. Oh, not, not a Baker's dozen. 12 times. Good. You want to know how many times they ran the ball and it took overtime to beat us? It's got to be huge. Four times as many. 48 <laughs> carries. They pounded the rock. Yeah. Oh, good, man. I tell you I'm, what. I'm telling you, man. I just feel like just, you know what? Roll it till the wheels fall off until that rhythm doesn't work anymore. Until suddenly people start stopping us despite 20 carries. If the rule of thumb is if you don't do it, you lose almost always. If you do do it, you win almost always. So maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe take it and run and do what you, what that number tells you. I, I have to say that's great research on your part because I've never looked at it as a, a sheer floor of number of rushes in a given game. I've always looked at it at a, a percentage of the play call and I, still with Pat Mahomes, with his mobility, there's always a little bit built in there, but having a base number that, you know, you have to hit that helps. And, and six of our games that we, one last year, we were outrushed by the other team. We, they ran more. They had tried more run plays. They didn't care. 
some of them they were behind it. I mean, the Bengals obviously gave up on the run because it was forty-five to ten. You know, at some point you got to go. Okay, this is not quick enough. But I mean, everybody, everybody we're playing is trying to run the ball against us. It doesn't matter. It, it's I'm mean, saying it's not a, it's not a football rule or something. Like every team has that rule because clearly there's other teams that have run the ball. Even some of those games, like I said, where we carried it 18 or 19 times. The other teams toting the rock 30 or 28 or 42, and they're still losing. But we get to that 20 mark, and it's almost unbeatable. They become almost unbeatable, and it's not because our running backs are you know all Jamal Charles. But they're good. They're not. They're not bad backs. Yeah, I mean it's it's the wear and tear and the grind and the tear down. If we can make Carlos Hyde look like that, let's force oh. other teams to not let us make Lashawn McCoy and Darrell Williams and Damian Williams look like that. Yeah, absolutely. Look what they did with what little opportunities they had. Yeah, and that and that's the key. Like I said, like over five, like almost six yards of carry between those two. Daryl got one touch and went for 52 yards. Didn't give him a handoff the whole game. You got to get back to being able, even if they're not getting that kind of, of yardage per carry, you got to be able to grind that out. You got to give them the opportunities because sometimes it takes a few to get in a rhythm and then you spring one. We've seen LaShawn do that mm-hmm. more than once. And the other thing, speaking of taking shots, it takes those run plays to allow you to have time to take shots down the field as well. And I, I argued ad nauseum with people not argued debated there was nobody in the room it was me talking back to pundits uh, um, but people going on and on about oh well, since they lost cream hunt cream i'm just just stop with the nonsense because i did i looked into all those numbers as well and with the two-headed monster of williams and Ware, more yards per game more yards per carry we didn't lose a thing we lost predictability they didn't know are they going to run are they going to pass which guy's going to get if they put both of them back there like what's going on and we had a little more uncertainty for the defense. I just, there's no rhythm or rhyme to me as to why they get so far away from the run. Sometimes it's like, I don't, I, I don't, I don't believe, I don't not believe in the great arm of Patrick Mahomes, but they can to. do it all. There's, there's other guys that can help carry the load and it makes yeah. his load lighter. And guess what happens when his go load gets lighter. It's rockets fill the air. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I mean, and, and you're exactly right. If you take, all that pressure off of him, it's a little bit easier for him to do what he does. I mean, mm-hmm. like any quarterback, I think he's better when he has play action as a tool in the toolbox. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be used every time, but that's what exactly. Pat can, can really get done when he gets rolling. So you got to mm-hmm. have that threat. Well, this was a lot of digging on my part, <laughs> and I feel I, like I'm I want, glad you did it. I feel like, thank you. I feel like I want to do it. I'm going to wait. Oh, the other thing I didn't mention was in that Patriots game we lost in their house last year where we lost by three. We had the lead twice despite being down by two scores mm-hmm. at one point. I think two points. Um, we only ran the ball 17 times despite having to lead a couple times. Like that just doesn't make any. Come on. Come on, man. Well, the run's I'm not working. Throw. How do you know if you haven't tried it? <laughs> it's like the exactly. old George Carlin joke. Wouldn't get one of guacamole. You've never tried it. How do you know you don't like it if you've never even tried it? It came to me in a dream. Well, you know what? Stop having that dream and hand the ball off. <laughs> let's run the ball. Let's make the defense play honest football. And let's see how good they actually are. Because I don't think everyone we played is all-world run defense and all-world run offense. I think that they're doing it shot. because they have the opportunity. Put a couple of points up there. Put a couple of scores up there. And then start pounding the rock and take that opportunity away and see how they adjust. Because I think we'll adjust better. I have to agree with you, you know, and it's about balance. It's about being able to exploit what's there. And there's still 
a, a trend that I see, and I hate to say it that Bill Belichick really did it originally, but sure, it's it's one of those deals where you put them where they ain't. We've seen this trend of running more and more nickel and dime defenses. And so the trend has been to then reverse it. Go back to using a fullback. Go back to running more. We've seen the Patriots do it. We've seen the Titans do it. This year, look at what the 49ers are doing. Look at what the Vikings are doing. They're running with success. It's opening it up. They make Kirk Cousins look like he's a monster off of play action because you're putting that emphasis on the physicality of running the ball early. Yeah, and with Belichick uh, in mind, he was so stuck on it that I I drafted Sony Michelle based on last year in fantasy football, oh. and he started out less than average, less than mediocre, and so he went to Burkhead. Burkhead got dinged up. He went to Bolden, who keeps coming and going to that place like it's an in and out. I don't know what he's there. And then one day he's gone, then he's back again. And guess what happened? <laughs> oh, I get it. Guess what happened? Get <laughs> burn up those onions too. Uh, he just. He just kept going with Sony, and all of a sudden, the last two weeks, guess what? He's an effective back again. Oh, hey! Backs <laughs> need that rhythm, too. they got to get right. they got to get their timing down. They've had so much change on their offensive line. They don't care. Just keep doing it until everybody gets it right. Yep. And as long Absolutely. as we're winning, you know? Yeah, and it helps. And it, it helps the linemen as well because there's something to be said, especially if you're, um, if you're somebody that's young, if you're somebody that isn't the best pass blocker and – you keep hitting your head against this wall that I can't get this blocked. I can't get this right. blocked. But if you can get in there and get physical, get your hands on a guy. And even if it's just about, um, you know, like the athletes that the chiefs has where they're not, you know, the most powerful athletes, they're athletes in terms of movement. Okay. So fine. So use your feet, get guys turned. You don't have to drive them out of the hole, but get them turned so that there's a gap for the running backs to hit. And what that does right. is come back and give those linemen some confidence. Let them come out and hit somebody next time. I think it helps even in the past game to and run last night, man was a perfect example of we did it to Detroit. Um, the Texans did it to us. And then the Packers did it to Detroit again, just to stick with the run. I don't care what their quarterback's doing. I don't care how many points <laughs> he's putting up that jets game, that jets game, Alex's last game with them against them. Rather Alex had, what did he have? 366 yards and four touchdowns, no picks. We ran the ball 11 times. Yep. They ran the ball 49 times. Remember what happened in that game? Oh, I don't <laughs> want lost to Luke McDown of all people. Right. I who had did one not touchdown see. through the air. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that doesn't require that much effort. If you're going to control the ball, if you're going to control what you can do physically and moving the ball and controlling the clock, I know it's not fashionable, but that's how you can oh, do yeah. it. It's it's imperative. Yeah, and guess what? And if it's working great and you're up three scores in the end of the third quarter, run it some more and just bury them and get all kinds of touches for your backs. Right? Did, what, what baffles me is we did it so committedly against the Lions. We turned the ball over three times. Didn't matter. Where, where happened with the ball when we got down to the goal line? Three rushing touchdowns. The Packers hadn't figured it out yet, and the Browns hadn't figured it out yet. Packers got to figure it out now. Last two weeks, Packers are like, oh, we're running the ball. Fumble by Jones. He drops a deep pass. Ball off Shepard's mask into the defenses. Run the ball. We're down by two with two minutes to go. Run the ball. What happened? They won the football game. <laughs> oh, it's like it's almost a formula, right? Use it until you can. Shepard. Yeah. Oh, poor Shepard. I, I feel for him, man. Fumble on the on the return. 
on the no waving the fair catch should have waved for the fair catch. That was just not smart. And then jumping for the but that's always good. When a return man jumps in the air to catch the football, that's you just sacrifice and you're done. Yeah. But I was just every time he was on the field, I was like, get him off the field because he's just going to get his confidence is going to get destroyed. He's not doing anything right. But yeah, I just I wanted to talk to you about that because you're the only one that's talking sense. And it's not too old dudes going, oh, we used to run back in my day. <laughs> no, this is legitimate, statistically, it's statistically irrefutable evidence that this team's magic number is 20. And if they do that, it almost always it doesn't matter what you do against them. They're going to get you, especially since Patrick Mahomes has been the sheriff for the last year and a half. Almost. Yeah, because, and because when you hit that minimum, it allows you to just go over the top. Yeah. It's it's a great maneuver and it's really good research on your part to find what that quote unquote magic number is. Uh, I think I'm going to steal that, by the way, just so you know. And we start running the ball. Guess what else happens? It opens Andy's beloved swings to the running backs, <laughs> wheel routes, running backs all over the place, catching the ball and running over DBs. It's delightful. I would oh, love I to see that happen. I'd love to see a whole lot more of it. And, and the thing is, I'd like that, uh, that diamond formation, put three backs right. in the backfield, you know, uh, they could all catch. They're all good yeah. running the ball after they get a reception. Even Sherman, just do it and run them over. You're not putting Sherman in. You're up by a bunch against the mm. Texans. Where's the sausage, right? Where's the, what do you think they're going to think when they see he's not back there? Oh, guess what? We're coming. Oh yeah. yeah. Over and over and over. We needed a yard against Denver in the AFC championship with Gerbach in there. And who's in the backfield? Is it Marcus oh. Allen? No. To keep him honest? No, no. Let's put Kimball Anders in there. Gee, I bet you he's going to pass block. <laughs> you pulled out Gerlach. Like, come on, man. Marcus Allen could fall sideways for two yards. We needed a yard. We should have won the... That's, I'm still bitter. <laughs> so, yeah, evidently, man. They pushed the, <laughs> the rule was you couldn't push a guy out of bounds. They pushed Tony Gonzalez out of the end zone in the air. That should have been a touchdown. They changed the rule later, but at that time... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking with that rule. So frustrating. They shouldn't have had their first one. It's, it's as bad as the tuck rule for the Raider fans. It's as bad as that for me. It is. It should be. It was, it was so avoidable. Anyway, <laughs> I, so I'm glad we had a chance to talk about the run and hopefully open up some of the eyes of the uh, chicken littles running around out there. Just relax guys to, to steal a quote from Aaron Rodgers. R E L A X relax. This team's going to be fine. We're going to get Fisher back. We're not like the Bears who just lost the lineman to IR. We're not like other teams who are losing guys for the season. We lost Xavier Williams. I mean, come on. We're getting Chris Jones back. I'll take that deal every time. No offense, Xavier. We love you. But it's just like it's it's it could have been a lot worse is my point. It definitely you know, could. we're not losing knock on wood our stars. Well, and Colin Saunders, I have to say for a rookie, he's really putting in yeah. some good work. And I like what I see. Yeah, I don't I just I don't want him to have to have that burden on his back. You know what I mean? I'd like to see us get up a couple fair. No. And let us get up a couple scores and let him let him blitz a little bit when, you know, they're in third and long instead of second and four. What are you gonna do, Colin? Just it's not like it's not like this is a big leap right. from where you went. Oh, you wait. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a huge leap. You know, <laughs> it's like, let me see. I'm in high school in a little backwater town and I'm going to be the starting quarterback at Texas tomorrow. That's <laughs> awesome. You, can you make yeah. a jump? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Well, I just, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. Is there anything else you have uh, cooking you want to share with everybody? No, you know, we're just we're knocking it out. I'm doing a lot of work. This a little bit of a compressed week for with uh, Thursday Night Football for RGR. But uh, over on the YouTube channel, I'm going through everything and we're uh, we're hitting it on Locked on Chiefs as well. Uh, trying to hit all the angles. It's amazing as we can. There's so much to talk about to try and figure out what's going on with this. Yeah, team. man. I know you got uh, some vacation time coming up. So enjoy that with the fan, buddy. 
Appreciate it, man. Take care. All right, everybody. As always, wishing you good luck out there. Stay warm. Stay proud. Believe in your team. Go Chiefs. Chiefs Wire Podcast, we are back. And on the line right now is Broncos managing editor for the Broncos Wire, I should say, John Heath. John, how's it going, man? It's going pretty good. Thank you for having me on. Definitely. And obviously, we have a short week to uh, get right to it. Uh, Thursday night football, we have the classic rivalry, the Broncos, the Chiefs. There's a lot of excitement going into this game, especially with the Broncos coming in with a bit of a streak on their own, and the uh, Chiefs are struggling right now with back-to-back losses. Can you just describe the mindset of the Broncos heading into this game? Well, it, it was interesting because obviously they started the year 0-4, and uh, the players and the coaches, when you're losing games, nobody's that enthusiastic talking to the media after the games. Nobody wants to give any interesting quotes. And so it's a lot of short uh, short tempers, short answers in the post game. But uh, after, obviously, people were doing better after they got their first week two weeks ago. And then on Sunday, after they beat the Titans, it was like hardly anyone even wanted to talk about the Tennessee game. They didn't overlook it. They were happy that they got a win. But the focus was so much the Chiefs and on Thursday. And I think it's partly a product of it's a short turnaround, like you mentioned. So you kind of have to turn your focus around that quickly. But I think it was just a sign of how important this game is to the Broncos and how important they view it. Because if they get a win, they're not too far back in the AFC West suddenly after starting 0-4. But if they lose, then obviously that could sink their season, especially if the Chargers turn things around. And if the Raiders keep up the pace they're going, it's going to be too hard for the Broncos to keep pace in the AFC West. So I think this is a very key game in their season, and I think they know that. Okay, and now, like I said, they're on a two-game winning streak after starting off 0-4. What do you think was the big change that that kind of turned this team around into a positive direction, you know, and hopefully going into a big game against the Chiefs, try to take them over that hump? Well, in the first four games, I don't think that there was there's really many changes made on offense. Two of their losses were on last-second field goals, where otherwise they would have won. And uh, I don't think really anything was changed too much on offense. But on defense, uh, against the Jaguars, Leonard Fournette rushed for over 200 yards, and they're just their run defense was awful. And so two big changes that Fangio made was uh, one of them was made out of necessity. Josie Jewell, their, one of their starting inside linebackers, got hurt. So Alexander Johnson got the start the next week. And then they moved uh, – Shelby Harris was playing nose tackle. And he's kind of light for a nose tackle. So they moved Shelby Harris to defensive end. And they started Mike Purcell at nose tackle. And Purcell was a much bigger guy. And – against the run the last two weeks, I think they allowed like fewer than 40 rushing yards in the last two games. And Johnson played so well as an injury fill-in two weeks ago. Jewell was healthy on Sunday, and Johnson started again. And Harris is staying at end, and Purcell is staying at nose. So I think making a change at inside linebacker and making kind of two changes on the defensive line, I think, helped the defense a lot, and it showed up big time the last two wins. It uh, definitely has, and obviously the big news coming into the season was bringing in Joe Flacco as the quarterback. What are your thoughts so far with him as the as the quarterback, and is he everything you expected or a bit of a disappointment? 
I, I would say he's about what I expected. I think it would have been unrealistic to expect him to come in and put up MVP numbers or something like that because he never has. He's not a Patrick Mahomes. He's a game manager. And even when he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens, they had a strong running game with Ray Rice and they had a really good defense. And he just, all he needed to be was a game manager. And I think that's what the Broncos envisioned with Royce Freeman and Philip Lindsay. They hoped they would have a strong run game and on defense with Fangio taking over they hope they have a strong defense so I think they envision being a game manager and he obviously hasn't been perfect he's made his mistakes he's had a couple bad throws but he he wasn't the sole problem in the four game losing streak by any means in the last two weeks like I said he's not putting up Patrick Mahomes numbers but he's doing enough to help the offense and he's not the long-term answer but I think he's good enough to help them win I definitely hear that, and obviously the defense was very dominant last week and well, this past Sunday in the, in the game against the Titans. Um, when you talk about the Broncos' defense, the first person's name is Ron Miller that comes up, but what can you tell people that they're not maybe they're not seeing within this defense that makes them even more dangerous than a lot of people realize? Well, if, if fans of other teams or fans of the Chiefs haven't really been watching the Broncos' games, they may not have realized that uh, Kareem Jackson used to be a cornerback for a long time with the Texans. And then last year they moved him to nickelback a little bit and to safety. And then this offseason he became a free agent and the Broncos signed him. And initially it was kind of uncertain if they were going to have him play corner, if they're going to play nickel or safety. But uh, by two weeks ago, before the Chargers game, they settled on him playing safety and he had a breakout game at safety. And then last week against the Jaguars, he had another great game of safety and got an interception against the Jaguars two weeks ago against the Chargers. He forced an inter- or he forced a fumble on the goal line that went out the end zone for a touchback. So he's he's been a big-time playmaker at safety, and he's somebody that if the Broncos are going to be able to keep up with the Chiefs and slow down their offense at all, he's someone that's going to have to have a big game again like he has the last two weeks. I definitely understand that in terms of having a big game. And, you know, the big matchup that everyone's talking about, anybody basically against Patrick Mahomes or whatever he could do with the offense. Now the Chiefs are coming off a two-game losing streak, both at home at Arrowhead. When you see a guy like Mahomes, who was the MVP last season, what do you think the, the Broncos' game plan, their mindset is to try to throw him off? Well, there's a guy like him, there's only so much you can do to throw him off. I think you just got to hope that you play disciplined enough and you got to hope that your cornerbacks and your safeties and your linebackers and coverage, they got to be able to uh, extend coverage when Mahomes extends plays. Because today, Vic Fangio speaking to the media, he noted how first you got to defend the called play and then you got to defend if Mahomes extends and creates a separate play, which he's so good. He's probably one of the best, if not the best at doing that in the NFL. So they they probably want to try to keep him inside the pocket and not let him extend plays, but that's not going to happen for the entire game. So when he does get outside of the pocket, the cornerback's got to stay on their man, and the pass rushers like Miller, like you mentioned, they got to keep pursuing Mahomes and not let him run for first downs, and the cornerback's got to not let receivers break away and get open when he's extending plays, which obviously is easier said than done, but it's the goal. Oh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the goal, and it worked out well for the Colts and the Texans the past two weeks. Now, on the other side of the ball, 
how do you see the Broncos on offense attacking this Chiefs defense, which has had its ups and downs lately, and uh, a lot of people are, are seeing some worry there in terms of the injury situation and a couple of key players out? Well, I, I think it was two weeks ago that they played the Colts, and it seemed like the Colts came in wanting to run the ball and just kind of pound it and wear the Chiefs down, if if I'm not mistake, mistaken. And I think the Broncos may have a similar approach with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. They have two really talented running backs, and they're able to keep them fresh by rotating. I wouldn't be surprised if they want to just try to control the game clock, have long drives with a lot of running plays, keep the Chiefs offense off the field as much as possible and just wear down the defense and and run and try to take advantage of it seems like their run defense has been a little shaky in recent weeks. I definitely hear that. And I have to ask because, uh, you know, when you have these Thursday night games, they become such a thing where a lot of players say they're not a fan of it because of the short turnaround. How do you – this is just – I'm asking for your opinion here. How do you feel about these Thursday night games and uh, teams having to adjust quickly on them? Well, I don't think it's ideal, but I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon because it's another primetime game in the NFL. I think the NFL loves having Sunday night games, Monday night games, Thursday night games. I think they just like having a big part of the week. Only Tuesday and Wednesday and Fridays, they're not a game going on. And, and I think they really like that. But And, like, another part of it is the Broncos can complain about a short week in injuries, and the Chiefs may not like it either, but every team in the NFL has to go through it. So it's not like one specific team is getting a short end of the stick. And after playing on Thursday, they kind of get a little mini bye week by not having to play the following Sunday. So I don't think it's ideal, but I think it's something that everybody has to go through and you get a little bit of a break after it. So that's a, a little bit of uh, consolation. Okay, no, I definitely understand that. And, uh, John, before we let you go, can you give us uh, a recent article that you want people to check out on the Broncos Wire site and just uh, where they can follow you on Twitter or Instagram, any social media you may have? Uh, on Twitter, if you want to follow me for a Broncos perspective, it's by John Heath, B-Y-J-O-N-H-E-A-T-H. And then on Broncos Wire, um, we have a lot of stuff going up on Broncos Wire, and starting especially tomorrow morning, we'll start getting more Thursday night specific and getting uh, a little focus, a little more focus on the Chiefs. This morning we did something about Mahomes' ankle injury, how he injured it in week one. And he's been on their injury report, but he's playing through it. And Reed and Mahomes told the media after yesterday's game that they don't really think it's a problem. Mahomes says he feels okay. He's able to move around. And Reed said he doesn't think it's affecting Mahomes' play. But I think it's still something worth monitoring with a short week and something that's been playing through. It's probably something to keep an eye on. So that's one of the recent uh, articles we have up on the Chiefs game. Okay, definitely looking forward to it. And, John, thanks for taking the time and uh, speaking with us, man. It's good to hear the other side. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on. Good luck on Thursday. You too. Not Take that care. the Chiefs necessarily need it. <laughs> hey, you never know, man. It's, anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a rivalry game, that's exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> Take care, man. You too.
What's going on, Chiefs Kingdom? This is John Dillon with the Chiefs Wire, and this week we're talking about the three biggest moments in Chiefs Broncos history. You know, it's uh, one of the most storied rivalries in the NFL. You know, maybe, maybe not not as historic maybe as the Chiefs Raiders rivalry but you know there have certainly been some real slugfests you know going back especially into the kind of late 80s on through the 90s when the Broncos had John Elway you know they're they're historically two of the most competitive teams in the league you know they're two of the uh, oldest teams teams in the league so Basically, getting into week seven, the Chiefs have the Broncos in Denver to begin their season series against AFC West opponents, and uh, you know it's a it's going to be a really in, intriguing matchup. Of course, the Broncos drafted but are are not starting former Mizzou quarterback Drew Locke, you know who was a pretty a pretty intriguing prospect at. Mizzou, you know, there were some questions about how ready he was to play the pro game, but you know they've got Joe Flacco on at at uh, quarterback. They've got a you know still a relatively stout defense. They've still got some names, uh, you know, who can rush the passer and you know make make big big plays out of the uh, secondary. You know, but getting into the the kind of history of the Chiefs and Broncos, you know, there there really are three games that stand out, Re- really four games, but going to combine two, uh, two of them at the end. So the first one is uh, uh, way back in 1990, there's that, that famous game where, you know, the Chiefs have the Broncos at Arrowhead, one of the most iconic Arrowhead moments, you know, ca- caught on Monday Night Football is... Uh, that moment where Elway is, you know, backed up in his own end zone and cannot get the snap off. You know, it's just too loud. It's too, you know, raucous for him. And the referees step in and ask ask the the crowd if they could please maintain a lower level of, of noise so that play could progress as as normal. So, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, they, they, that's just one of the most most iconic moments you know for 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 the Chiefs and and Arrowhead Stadium the Chiefs have always had the the Chiefs fans I should say have 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 always had a reputation for being you know real real diehards you know and you know there's the the whole tailgating scene kind of kind of like with Buffalo how you know those Bills Mafia really uh really uh you know gets gets a lot of airtime you know for doing questionable things throwing some questionable things on the field and jumping through you know some tables in the parking lot but either way uh yeah I think that that game really kind of sealed Arrowhead's fate as you know the the loudest place in the league if not you know all of pro sports so moving on from that one we've got way back in 1994 Monday Night Football we had the Chiefs beating the Broncos 31 to 28 you know and that's Again, one of the most iconic games in Chiefs history. You know, you had John Elway and Joe Montana kind of, kind of in there in the twilight of their years, so to speak. You know, maybe not, maybe not as dominant as they once were, but you know, I mean, still, it's a that's a that's a clash of titans. You know, and for the uh, for the Chiefs to have pulled that win out, you know, I mean, I think it spoke to to the grit of those teams in the uh, the early to mid to mid 90s you know they were really out there 
competing and, you know, giving it their all. They had kind of some of the big names starting to come up. You know, they, they, they kind of set the table in a way for Kansas City to have, you know, guys like, like Derek Thomas, Tony Gonzalez, you know, and then the, the whole string of, you know, stars that they had through early 2000s. So, you know, I think it's a, I think in a sense that that, that, that game can be seen as a kind of turning point. You know, I mean, the, the, the Chiefs finally had kind of had their quarterback, uh, if only for a couple of years, you know, and, and, and could really compete against, you know, a great Broncos team led by John Elway. Now, the last game on, on my list, or really the last two, so, so this is the the one where I'm going to combine kind of two two games, but man, back in 2017, you know, you want to talk about two excellent and important games for the Chiefs. So early in the season in 2017, the Chiefs and Broncos played this kind of shootout. It ended up 29 to 23. It ended up 29 to 19 uh, in the Chiefs' favor, and the Chiefs had five turnovers on defense. You know, Alex Smith had a great game. Kelsey had a great game, you know, and it, it, it was kind of the start of that that dominant 2017 Alex Smith season, you know, where he he really proved what, what he could go out there and do. And then the tail end of that season, if you'll remember week week 17, the Chiefs' 16th game, obviously, they, uh, they benched Alex Smith, and that was Patrick Mahomes' first, first NFL start in the first win of his career. You know, and he he went out there and looked great. You know, and what a what a great series of games, you know, for the Chiefs against you know one of their more bitter rivals of late. You know, I mean the 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 Broncos have been a traditionally pretty pretty good team. You know, for the for the better part of the last decade. Uh, you know, and the Chiefs haven't uh, historically had the same issues putting away the Broncos. You know, as AFC West champions the way they've kind of steamrolled the uh Chargers and Raiders. So, yeah, I'm 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 really looking forward this Thursday, you know, I think I think it'll be a good game. I think that the Chiefs have have had their struggles, but it's a great opportunity for both teams to add to add to the to the legacy of a, you know, really really compelling, you know, matchup history. So, really looking forward to it. Thanks so much for having me on and, you know, go Chiefs. For everyone at Chiefs Wire, we'd like to thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Make sure to follow us on social media at The Chiefs Wire for more information. I'm Ed Easton Jr. Check us out next time.